Good morning. My name's Sarah. I'm so happy to be sharing with you uh, as we move towards Christmas. Last Christmas, my oldest daughter, she wanted one thing for Christmas. She wanted to get her ears pierced. She's 11. She's got great style ideas. She knows what she wants. She wants to get her ears pierced. And you know what? I like knowing what you want. Knowing what will really make you happy. Not like, oh, that's an interesting gadget or that's kind of cool or so-and-so got this. She knew what she really wanted. So we do our Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve. Usually, you know, we got the service here typically. Then... We get Chinese food because mom and dad are pastors and, and I, we all like Chinese food. And then we just spend some time on Christmas Eve opening our presents, enjoying them, looking at what we got. Uh, the kids got some great presents last year, like a, a microphone that like filters your voice, like good microphones, a, a tracing, a lit tracing table. Uh, I got some good gifts, some of which I had picked out myself. They fit me perfectly and were just my style. So we had a great night. Uh, the kids were really happy with what they got for presents. On Christmas Day, we always do cinnamon rolls for breakfast and read the Christmas story. We do communion together. It's actually a really meaningful, special way for us to celebrate Christmas as a family. And then we uh, head out to Connecticut to celebrate the rest of the day with my family. It's like an hour and a half drive. So we do our, our little Christmas thing on, on Christmas morning and then, then head out to see everybody else. And uh, on Christmas morning, I was like, you know what, guys? It is Christmas Day. So let's do one more present for each of you. And uh, for my oldest daughter, this little bag, in it was some uh, antiseptic alcohol spray like you would use to clean a uh, piercing and a promissory note that as soon as the malls opened up, she would get her ears pierced. And you know, I was so proud of her because on Christmas Eve, when all the presents were finished, she didn't complain. She wasn't like, what? She was just happy about what she got. And then on Christmas Day, mom and dad remembered. They came through. Uh, and it was just a really fun Christmas moment. How many of us here have asked God for something? How many of us here have asked God for something many, many times? Good things, things we need, things other people have, things we really, really want. The best things God has given me came when I did not expect them and came how I did not expect them. I think about my life. Uh, maybe, you know, you can think about your life too. I think about our wonderful daughters. We adopted them. Uh, they came uh, to, to live with us a couple years ago and it was, it was social workers and, and paperwork and, and meetings and lots of questions and options. The best things God has given me did not come how I expected, did not come when I expected them. Today we're going to be looking at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. As we enter into the birth story of Jesus, they help us get ready. At a deep heart level, they prepare our hearts to receive the goodness of God, the coming of Jesus in Christmas personally um, and as a season. God gave Zechariah and Elizabeth the best things. The best thing. It did not come how or when they expected it. Because God gives no matter if we're ready or not, no matter if we're expecting it or not, no matter how used to not having we have become, no matter if we don't think it's ever going to happen, God gives. He gave Zechariah and Elizabeth a special child. 
because that's what he does is we think through scripture. Abraham and Sarah, he gave them a son in their old age. He gave Rachel two sons after years of having none. He gave Hannah a holy child for a holy purpose. And soon he will give Mary, who did not ask for a child, a son. A son for a world that did not ask for him, that was not ready, that did not accept him. God gives. And I think this morning, God wants to prepare and expand our hearts to receive from him. Friends, wherever you are this morning, let's pray together to prepare our hearts to receive the goodness of God. Jesus, this morning... As we take time and make space uh, for you, would you kind of reorient our hearts? Would you, would you melt our hearts for your love? Would you get our hearts ready, our minds and emotions, our relationships, ready to, to receive your goodness? As we turn to scripture, Jesus, um, would it change us and transform us, Jesus? We don't want to have a nice church service or a nice morning or, or a nice sermon, Jesus. We really want your word to affect us and affect our relationship with you, Jesus. We give you our time. We give you our attention. We give you our emotions, Jesus. Would you come have your way in our hearts this morning, in my heart this morning? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, if you want to read along with me. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're kind of like a bridge from the Old Testament into the New. And they are a great uh, Old Testament couple. It's like they just walk off the pages of the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, Zechariah is a priest. Uh, Elizabeth is a good, godly woman. The Bible says that they are righteous and blameless. And uh, this year, Zechariah is called to do his big priestly service in the temple. We're going to start reading in verse 10. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in the temple, standing at the right side of the incense altar. It's funny what people remember. Here's the angel was on the right side of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw the angel. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. The Lord has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give birth to a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and great gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. Instead, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God, and he will be a man in the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept godly wisdom. Wow. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. In the original language, he uses an intensifier for his wife. He says, I'm old. She's even older. The angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. One minute ago, you were quaking and shaking in your sandals in the corner. And now you're asking me, I don't know how this is going to happen. 
I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you don't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. You're not going to spread these doubts and be uh, spreading uh, these doubts. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. You know, all the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he did come out, he couldn't speak. He had to gesture. They realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was completed, he returned home. Soon his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. She went into seclusion for five months. When you get pregnant at that age, as some privacy seems like a good thing. And Elizabeth said, that's what she said. Her husband, of course, said nothing. She said, how kind the Lord is. He has taken away my disgrace from having no children. Amen. Jesus, would your word um, be living and speaking to us this morning? Well, Zechariah and Elizabeth, you know, they didn't have the happiest life. We may not have the happiest Christmas with no traveling, no, no parties. They didn't have the happiest life. They lived in the never-ending quarantine lockdown of having no children. For us, you know, we don't have to have children nowadays. We have uh, Social Security. We have nursing homes. We have retirement plans. They, Their retirement plan was children. You needed to have children. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, they also lived under foreign occupation as Jews under in the Roman uh, Empire. It wasn't just unhappy or personally unfulfilled. It was oppressive. The Bible is filled with stories of those on the margins of societies, refugee, immigrant, the poor, the, the widows. So Zechariah and Elizabeth, they, they didn't have the security of citizenship. They didn't have the security of children. The government leaders were not on their sides. Uh, uh, they were structurally and systemically very vulnerable. As Jews, they did not get what they asked for from God. Personally, they did not get what they asked for from God. But Zechariah and Elizabeth, they did something different than some of the, the, the faithful couples of the, the Old Testament, you know, like Abraham and Sarah, they never substituted. They never tried to get a kid a different way, you know, different wife, different uh, concubine. Maybe she can get pregnant. We'll, we'll, we'll use her to, to make a baby. They never hedged their bets. They didn't jury rig anything. In the best sense, they were simple. They walked faithfully and humbly for God. They asked God for a child, and God said no. God did not give them a baby through their friends, having babies through their friends, raising their babies, maybe through their friends, having grand babies. God said no, and they somehow made their peace with that. They didn't substitute, and they didn't deny how hard it was. When Elizabeth becomes pregnant, she doesn't say like, oh, well, you know, it was fine. I always knew this was going to come to, come to happen to me, and you know, through those years, I just, I just knew God was, no. She says, God has taken away my disgrace. That she talks about her hard, how hard it was, her, her loss, her, her shame. But how kind God is. He has done this for me. You know, I think, as we talk about this holiday season, I think Elizabeth teaches us how to have a good COVID Christmas. She didn't deny how hard things were. You know, some of us may have good, fine Christmases. Some of us may have a wonderful holiday season. But if you don't, don't deny how hard this holiday season 
was. Don't say, oh, you know, it was an okay December. You know, I just worked a lot. Thanksgiving, oh, what, whatever. You know, I don't think my family even misses me that much. When we deny, we ruin our testimony. When we deny things, we ruin our testimony. We don't want to deny it. We want to celebrate the second part of that sentence. We say, it was hard, but God gave me peace. It was hard, but God gave me joy in my, myself. And then friends, learn from Elizabeth how to have a good COVID Christmas. We don't want to substitute. We don't want to substitute. Oh, I'll just have another drink. I'm not doing anything else. I deserve it. Uh, these people I can't see, but I'll just, I'll substitute someone else. I'll make other friends. You know, don't do it with food. You know, we substitute chocolate for, you know, I can't do anything else fun. Let's have more food. I, I mean, I like chocolate. Don't get me wrong. Don't find a way to make a Merry Christmas, to, to distract yourself, to, to fill yourself with other things. When we substitute, we, we, Here's really what I think we do. When we substitute, we fill that space that could eventually be filled with the miracle of God, with the goodness of God. We fill that space with an empty, fake, phony substitute. And then that space is filled. So we move on and we don't get to experience the goodness of God there. Leave that space empty. Wait to see what God will do. Don't try and find a way around God's miracle in your life. You know, this year, uh, we actually bought a house, which is um, a real accomplishment. So, so grateful for that. And uh, we've been living in a smaller apartment um, with our kids for the last couple of years. Uh, I really love the apartment. You know, it had a beautiful kitchen and um, personal space is not my currency. You know, I watch those shows about tiny homes and, you know, I think, oh, it's so cute and um, what a nice house and bonus, no personal space. We get to be together all the time. But our, our apartment was small. As we considered our options, you know, other parts of the country could have bought two houses, but we didn't have down payment money. But we said, well, we've got bigger apartment money. We can move to a different apartment, you know, shell out a couple hundred more bucks a month. We, we could do that. Maybe we should do that to get ourselves, um, you know, what, what we're looking for. A nicer apartment would have been an easy substitute. But a nicer rental would have been filling that space or creating more space as the case may be. It would have been filling that space. What we needed to do well, it was to buckle down, uh, uh, to lean into the really good thing and wait to let God provide for us and see that financial miracle in our life. So Zechariah and Elizabeth, they left that space open that childless, empty space open. And boy, were they surprised when God, God filled that. Especially the father. Does it seem like the men are always more surprised? Zechariah was like, have you seen me? Do I look like a baby daddy? Have you seen my wife? You know what? I agree with Zechariah. I agree with you, Zeke. How is this going to work? Mary asked the same question when the angel visited her. Um, let's take a look also in chapter 1, um, verse uh, 30 to 38. Um, the angel comes and he says, You will conceive, give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. Read these together, friends, later. Um, it's just some of the most beautiful, powerful words in all of Scripture. Just so, uh, so wonderful. Um, 
But the Mary, the angel says to Mary, you will have a son, you will conceive, uh, he will be called son of the most high, the Lord God will give him the throne of David, big stuff. And Mary says, how can this happen? I am still a virgin. The angel replies, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month of pregnancy for no word from the Lord will ever fail. The same way the angel tells uh, Zechariah, my words will certainly be fulfilled in their proper time. The angel tells her, no word from the Lord will ever fail. Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said to me come true. So why does Mary get, um, Mary gets it kind of like explained, you know, as much as we can explain this huge miracle. Um, and she gets to keep talking. Why, what's the difference response here? Well, I mean, it, it can be a, a heart issue. You know, there's some doubt that um, that uh, wants to believe, that says, you know, okay, but how? And then there's doubt that kind of wants a way out, that says, maybe okay, if you can tell me how. The Bible is nuanced about doubt. It's okay to ask, but it's also really nuanced about our heart. So Zechariah may have had some some hardness of heart as, as he asked that question. But I think the crucial difference is Mary was getting a child. She had not asked for that was highly inconvenient to her as a single teenager. Zechariah was getting a child that he had begged God for for decades. God was giving him what he asked for and he didn't believe it. He didn't believe it because it had been such a long, long wait. Waiting is so hard for us. You know, I'll upload stuff on my laptop and it'll take like 10 seconds. And I spend those 10 seconds, oh, why is my internet so slow? My laptop's old. It's not a good laptop. The internet here is bad, you know. Waiting, waiting does not bring out the best in us. Waiting is hard. The poet Langston Hughes famously wrote, what happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester? like a sore, then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load or does it explode? I love that poem because it really, it describes to us what it's like to ask God for things, to have these hopes and dreams and for God not to fulfill it. Zechariah and Elizabeth show us that a dream deferred hurts, that it takes a toll on us. But a dream deferred is not a dream denied. Can we wait well? Can our hearts stay faithful and flexible through the wait? Zechariah, he was a good Jew. He would be a good pastor, a great leader today. He was a priest and he stood praying for everyone else's prayers to happen. As a Jewish priest, he prayed um, and believed that the Messiah was coming. He was a real believer. He really believed the Messiah was coming. Just, I mean, not today. Not this week, not this month. I mean, let's be reasonable, folks. Probably not this year. Certainly wasn't going to have anything to do directly with him. Not here not right now. 
We like a fairly predictable faith without big surprises. The last thing we really want is for God to fulfill his purposes in us. We can believe in God's big plans. Me and God's big plans, that gets hard. Me in God's big plans, that gets really hard. But friends, if we can't see the closeness of God's plans, then we also can't see the bigness of God's plans. If I keep God at arm's length, I am diminishing what he can do. It's easy to pray for God to, to, to work in my family, but not to work in me. It's easy to pray for, for God to, to do financial miracles in other people, but not, not believe and trust that it's going to happen for me. I don't want to keep God at arm's length. I want to keep him close and believe in good things for me. And here's the thing, guys. It's all based on what God does. All based on what he does. Zechariah was not supposed to walk around believing that his wife at 50, 55 was going to have a baby. He was not supposed to say, here you go, honey. Here's your cane and the empty diaper bag because we're trusting for a little miracle. That would have been crazy talk. He was not supposed to believe in this thing happening. He was supposed to believe in someone. He was supposed to believe in God. And when God says it's going to happen, no word from the Lord will ever fail. Zechariah learned to believe not in something, but in someone. After his son was born, he says uh, in the end of chapter one, praise the Lord, the God of Israel. We've learned God's character throughout the pages of the Old Testament. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. God keeps his word. All the promises of God are coming true. And they're coming true through his son, and you, my little son, you will be called the prophet of the Most High. He speaks and prophesies over his son because you will prepare a way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins because of God's tender mercies. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide us to the path of peace. He sees, as he prophesies over the baby in his arms, he sees the bigness of God and the goodness and closeness of God in his life. Friends, we have a trustworthy God. He's not taking a break. He's working right here, right now. And if it's the wait has gotten long, let's let our hearts be warmed up. Let's let our hearts get ready for what God wants to do, for the miraculous, the goodness of God. Let God work in your heart, just like he did in Zechariah and Elizabeth. Let's pray together. Jesus, this morning, we don't believe in something. We believe in someone. And we know that, Jesus, you are here with us as God, Emmanuel, come down to do life with humanity. We receive your goodness and your grace right here with us. And I pray uh, over folks, if the waiting has gotten long, I've gotten really used to doing without, really used to the way things are, 
Jesus, would you melt us and, and soften us, Jesus? Would you get our hearts ready to receive more and more of you, Jesus? Lord God, right now we receive your love. We receive your peace. And would you increase faith in us, Jesus, that you are our God who's working, who is trustworthy, and who loves us so, so much. Friends, we're going to turn to a time of worship right now. Uh, let's sing along. Let's participate. Um, let's believe and allow God to work faith in our hearts this morning.